have you ever read a book and you've read it a couple like think and grow rich right you mentioned it earlier all right napoleon hill god bless him man amazing he changed my life all right and i've read that book so many times and it's wild because every time i read it i pick up something different and i'm just like how in the heck did i not catch that well it's because my mindset wasn't ready for it then every single time i'm picking up something slightly different and it's because your mindset changes over time it's over the experiences that you had the emotional experiences it just is always evolving and that's the beautiful thing about it so if you are constantly listening to a message and it's coming from different areas you you're going to pick something up new if you're open to it it's just a matter of being open and that comes with being humble This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 168 with founder of Legendborn Sportswear, David Bryant. This is squadron leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, you got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, JC Preston. And with me for this session is co-host Andy Dix. If this is the first time you're listening in, this is, of course, the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you, too, can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. As you guys might remember, I'm part owner of a company called America Multisport, and we produce uh, what's called the Viking Dash Trail Run Series uh, nationally. And this year, we're growing leaps and bounds and getting the chance to partner with all kinds of interesting sponsors, partners, and of course, other vendors. And one such partner is a company by the name of Legendborn, who was started by today's guest, David Bryant. David himself is a very passionate guy about the work he does, and it's pretty, pretty interesting story of how he found himself starting uh, Legendborn in the first place. In today's chat, Andy and I get the chance to learn how Dave's experience and expertise has led him to create a very creative and unique company. And more specifically, we'll be getting into what knowledge he's learned from his MLM days as he employs and as CEO of Legendborn today, uh, topics teens and young adults should learn outside of formal education, and what faith has taught him about the business world. But before we get into that, I want to remind you guys about FreshBooks. And guys, it's, it's Q1 2020, and it's already... Almost already done, believe it or not. And there's a good chance you're starting to scurry around to get things ready for your, your CPA if you haven't necessarily paid your taxes. If you don't have a system and only pay once per year, uh, then it could be a considerably big project for you to prepare everything. And in the future, why don't do yourself a favor and use a system like FreshBooks for your accounting? It's accounting software that makes running your small business easy, fast, and secure and you spend less time on accounting itself and more time doing the work you love when you're a subscriber. Of course, you can learn more and save at newinceptions.com slash freshbooks. 
Again, that's newinceptions.com slash freshbooks. All right, before we get started with this chat with Dave, remember to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening in on. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That way it's easier for others to find the show as well. And as always, email us your questions about scaling your mission-based business at heyguysatnewinceptions.com. Again, that's heyguysatnewinceptions.com. Show notes and show notes extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 168. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston alongside Andy Dix. Thank you for joining us for this particular session. Andy, how are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Decade, JC. I'm awesome. How about you? Good, good. Big old 2020. Can't believe we, uh, it's, we're living in the future, man. It's, uh, it's crazy. It really is. And, you know, we're recording on the 10th of January, and we still have to honor our New Year's resolutions for another five days. Do, do you know that? I uh, did, did not. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. USA Today, they did a study and they said that most people stop their New Year's resolutions on January 15th, that that's, that's the day everybody just re- returns to their old habits, gives up, and uh, I guess just starts binging on Netflix and Cheetos again. <laughs> so there you have it. So we've got a couple of days left to, you know, to keep, keep going here. Um, but, you know, I, I want to throw out something because I think resolutions aren't really that effective, obviously, and uh, January 15th proves too true. But how about a challenge? Challenges are usually really effective. And so I want to challenge you to do something. Are, are you open to hearing me out here, Jason? Let's see, let's see what you got. Sure. Okay. All right. So how about you maximize your ROEE, and I'll tell you what that means in just a minute, of those past 200 episodes, that soon to be 200 episodes of the Angles of Latitude podcast. And I, I'm going to challenge you to write the Angles of Latitude Guide to Living the Life You're Proud of book. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So kind of the whole Napoleon Hill sort of take on all the interviews that I've had over the last few years is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so you've heard of the term return on investment, ROI, right? Right. Right. So I say R-O-E-E, and that is how do you maximize the return on your experience and your hard-won expertise? And I think you have done just a terrific job of talking to 200 conversations here soon of people that are really trying to do exactly what we're sharing here, and that is you know, live this life they're proud of. And what are those nuggets of wisdom that you could distill and create this guidebook for the, the faithful Angles of Latitude podcast listener that can change their life forever. All thanks to you. And all you have to do is, you know, 300 and some odd days left to get that done. How's that for a challenge? Uh, it's, it's definitely a, a challenge that I would accept, except that I've actually accepted it the last couple of years. And that now being the first year of this new decade, probably something I definitely want to get out more sooner than, than postponing it yet another year. So um, challenge accepted tentatively. Oh, <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, now it's, it is now recorded digitally, so it will never go away. How's that for an accountability partner? <laughs> Listeners hold him accountable. If next year rolls around and, and JC doesn't deliver, he owes you a, a much better life that you're proud of. How's that? 
<laughs> yeah, interestingly enough, it is something that I've been toying with for the last couple of years or so and just didn't realize uh, how relevant it would be to folks. And But I've seen more and more signs that you know people are looking for more happiness in their lives as well as finding the uh, golden ticket to living financially independent. And because, I mean, let's let's face it, there's a lot of miserable, wealthy people out there, and but there's also a, a lot of successful people who have defined their own path and are making moves to fulfill their plan. So, you know, that's, you know, while not everybody that's been on the show has been like super wealthy by any means, um, again, a lot of them are living that life that they're proud of. Um, of course, that's what, again, this show is all about, is about highlighting people who have done this for themselves and they figured it out. Um, today's guest is someone I met recently through my other business, America Multisport, and he is the CEO of Legend Born Sportswear and is surely making an entrepreneurial fashion statement. He is also currently an active member of the Army, which he loves doing so much that he'll continue on as a reservist when he's put his 20 years in. On top of that, his community service is him serving as Director of Operations of Save Our Veterans. And today's guest is David Bryant. Welcome to the show, Dave. How are you doing? Hey, gentlemen. Good to hear your voices. Pleasure having you. So what you're doing suggests that you're actually putting your IU education to use. Both of you, here I am, the only Purdue guy today, but both you <laughs> and Andy are from IU. And you majored in uh, sports, marketing, and business. What got you into that major? And were you fascinated by that side of sports like I am? Or did you kind of stumble into your major like a lot of students do these days? Well, right off the bat, I mean, I wanted to be in sports broadcast. Uh, I thought that it would just be great to have a lot of fun being survived. Uh, I'm sorry, surrounded by sports all the time. And it's what I wanted. Um, I played rugby at Indiana University and had been playing for years prior at IU because it was a club sport. And um, that's just was my main focus, honestly. Uh, when I started taking courses uh, at the Ernie Pyle School uh, for you know, journalism, etc., uh, my father recommended that I take a sports marketing class. And for whatever reason, I ended up taking it and it changed my entire thought process. Uh, outside of that, um, there were a lot of prerequisites in the business school that I had to take so I could be able to uh, get into the school of sports marketing. Mm -hmm. And then um, things kind of got crazy. I <laughs> uh, accepted a internship and worked for the U.S. Olympic Committee. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And moved out to Colorado Springs and uh, was training for the national team for rugby while I was out there as well. So it was kind of a double-edged sword. Um, and I finished the internship. That was great. It turns out that I was the first IU student ever to be accepted uh, by the USOC. And ever since, there's been an IU student. So I guess I did something right. Oh, cool. That's uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so... After that, I had a stint of being uh, able to play professionally in San Diego and uh, had a lot of fun doing that and whatnot. But then I realized, I was like, I really need to finish my degree. <laughs> <laughs> so I came back to IU and then 9-11 happened. Mm. And uh, I joined the Army that day uh, and swore in 10 days later and became Private Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, it was really interesting uh, because that January I left for basic training in AIT and uh, then I came home and 
was mobilized to go to Afghanistan <laughs> right after I got back into school. Um, so it seemed like college kind of kept taking the back burner, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, it's, it's an experience that I've absolutely loved. And like you'd mentioned, I'm actually on active duty as we speak, uh, not because of anything world war three, that's totally not happening. It's pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, uh, when I did get mobilized to go to Afghanistan, um, I was sent to Fort Lewis, Washington and was, Back then in 2001, 2002 timeframe, our military didn't know how to deploy reserve component units like reserve and Army National Guard. Right, right. right. So I literally went out there. I was cross-leveled from my unit here in Indiana and thrown into a unit from Logan, Utah. And it was very interesting, to say the least. (laughs) Um, I'm not Mormon. You know, God bless them. They're doing their their thing. That's cool. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I thought I'd be fine, but that's a different conversation. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) basically was out there for about five and a half months and it ended up like buying me another year of college. Cause, uh, it, when I got back, all my timelines were messed up and you have to take certain classes in certain times in certain semesters to be able to be on track to graduate with how the sports marketing school wants you to go. And I was off path. So I figured I've got all these business classes. I might as well uh, take as much as I can. So I ended up double majoring and it was painful. So that's how I ended up falling into both degrees. Cause I can tell you when I first started going to IU, I literally was focused on just wanting to play rugby and having fun. And when I joined the army, it's funny after I got back, um, I made Dean's list every semester there thereafter. So I, I finally grew up a bit, I guess. Well, straight, straightened you out and prepared you for what was to come. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I realized very quickly that um, this college thing probably has something to do with my future. I should probably do something about it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. So that, because you got your degree, you were able to move on to the officer side. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know, I know, again, my wife being in the military for 18 years, I kind of get how that all works. Um, But another thing that I'm fascinated about is that you have this, this background and uh, direct marketing as well. And one of the things mm-hmm. that you said um, is that you were actually kind of a hot shot. I think you said you'd build a, a team of like 700 reps or something like that. And, a, you know, a lot of hard work went into that. And I, I'll tell you that I, me being, having been in the academic world as long as I was, I'm guessing that some of the skills that you developed after you got started with that were completely more, a lot more practical than theory-based, which I'm sure is why you picked up in business school. Oh, there's no question. I mean, going to Kelly school is, it's a challenge. There's no question. Uh, But, and it's funny in some circles that I'm in, people are like, oh, you're a Kelly grad. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I checked the block. I got the receipt on the wall, whatever. My real education, I would say, was when I got started in multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. There's no question. 
because the people that I was around, the mindsets that I was able to be privy to that I did not come remotely close to touching at Kelly School, I mean, to this day, they shape how I think about things and how I action things. And I honestly never would have been a business owner had I not had this experience. Um, a lot of people say, yeah, I own my own business when really, you know, it's direct sales and they don't quite understand the differences. Um, and that's part of the struggle that I had, honestly, because you are so spoiled rotten with the direct sales industry because it's a business in a box. And while you are a sole proprietor, the company really kind of runs the roost mm-hmm. and uh, they lock, you know, they knock out all payroll, they knock out all of taxes, they knock out of marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, traditional business, of course, you find out that payroll tax is a pain in the butt. Uh, (laughs) You find out that, you know, quarterly taxes are due on a regular basis when you're just a 1099, um, you know, sole proprietor, totally different animal. Uh, So uh, this has been a phenomenal run um, in regards to being able to meet people, being able to network, being able to do a lot of different things that I was able to do um, very young. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, I just saw an angle. Uh, I mean, I'm a son of a a serial entrepreneur and uh, I picked some of that up from him apparently, but I saw an angle when I was in college that just made sense to me. And I was working in prepaid legal uh, of course, now it's called Legal Shield, mm-hmm. um, and I, it was very simple. I, I was like, I'm a full time college student. I play rugby, which is all year long. I'm also training and playing for our national team from time to time. I had no extra time. I couldn't go get a regular job, uh, and I found out real quick that job means just over broke because that's generally all it'll keep you. So. I was doing everything I could to make ends meet, but I was struggling and I was literally starving. Right? And I mean, you hear that a lot from a lot of college students and, you know, living on ramen noodles, et cetera. Yeah, it's, um, legit. it's was, real. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a rite of passage almost now at this point. Uh, but I was literally that guy. I mean, it was like exciting if I could add beads to my ramen noodles so I get a little more protein. It was really pathetic. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of good things so, that you can do with ramen noodles, but yeah, I get, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found them all, man. I used to have a recipe book at some point, but, uh, it's, uh, I threw that away a long time ago. I was like, all right, <laughs> check that block. I'm good. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically the big thing for me was I needed to find a way that would be appealing to all of my classmates to be able to make money and to be able to move forward. And it was easy with me. I was just like, you know what? Hey, we're all broke. We all get in trouble. We don't want to call our parents when we get in trouble. How about you call your attorney instead and you actually get paid to tell other people about it? And they're like, what? Yeah, let me know more. And that was it. (laughs) And I mean, we exploded. I grew a massive college team, not just from IU, but from, I mean, we had college students in Hawaii that I've never met. And I'm just like, hey, thanks. You're awesome. (laughs) I'll get on a call with you anytime. Yeah. And that's interesting. You should mention that like uh, notoriously, it makes sense to to bring in college students, but at the same time, they're so, so often they're so sketch that it's hard to work Mm -hmm. with them. And the fact that they don't have any money, it's like, okay, you better have a, something that they actually not only can see themselves being interested in, but getting other people interested in as well. 
And exactly. Yeah, that's it's cool that you were able to actually do that. <laughs> well, everyone was kind of blown away because like you said, most college students were seen as just very sketchy. And I was just like, you know what? If we get people trained and we be make it duplicatable, then it's game over. Right. And it was wild because within a couple of years, I was making ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month if I did anything or not. Mm. Nice. And uh, I mean, it's hard to see those numbers. And of course, with multi-level marketing, um, with our commission structure, with Stair Step Breakaway, it's one of the oldest. Well, it's literally the oldest compensation plan, and it's the hardest to build. Right. You got to put in the work, and it, when you do, it absolutely will reward you if you're doing it the right, right. Yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that you actually said just a, a minute ago is that um, through all these different experiences that you're, have been, you've gone through, you've been able to de de develop some really strong partnerships in your, in your career. Uh, from your experience, what are some of the, the knowledge topics that have helped you succeed specifically with you know, going through Legal Shield and, and where you're at now? that teens and, and college students should be looking at outside of their formal education? Oh, man. The, uh, the biggest thing that I learned from multi-level marketing, and there's so many things. I was blessed to be able to be a corporate trainer, and they flew me all over the country to be able to go speak before, I mean, heck, a couple of events, is over 10,000 people. And to a kid that's, you know, 22, <laughs> it was like, I am way out of my element, yeah, but I loved it. I just thrived in that environment and I had a blast. And I think a lot of it was because of the mentors that I had. I was very blessed with that. But the biggest thing that I learned is that you can learn something from anyone. Mm -hmm. You got to be able to be open-minded enough. I think that the second that you believe you've got it all, you're already on your way back. Mm. It's over. And I was literally blessed to be able to be around so many different types of people. And I was just like, I'm the young kid. I'm going to be a sponge. I'm going to listen to all of them. They're obviously here for a reason. Someone saw something in them. Maybe I don't see it. Then I want to figure it out. I want to know what they're doing that I'm not doing. Or maybe they're doing it and they're successful their way. I do it a different way. Maybe I can learn. I'm not always right. That's the biggest thing is that. I had to be humble. And that's what I learned in multi-level marketing. As soon as you start believing that, because I mean, when you're on stage and when you're training and when you're in front of the briefing and everything else yeah. and you're, everyone's like clapping and laughing at your jokes they've heard 10,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, guys. You know, you've been there. Um, people start to get a big head. Mm. And my secret was I can learn something from anyone. Maybe, I mean, have you ever read a book and you've read it a couple, like Think and Grow Rich? Right. Right. You mentioned it earlier. Mm. All right. Napoleon Hill, God bless him, man. Amazing. He changed my life. All right. And I've read that book so many times. And it's wild because every time I read it, I pick up something different. Mm. And I'm just like, how in the heck did I not catch that? Well, it's because my mindset wasn't ready for it then. It's just like reading the Bible. You know, I read the Bible every single day. And you know, I've read the entire Bible oh, four times now, mm. and uh, every single time I'm picking up something slightly different. And it's because your mindset changes over time. It's over the experiences that you had, the emotional experiences. Um, you know, it just is always evolving, and that's the beautiful thing about it. So, if you are constantly listening to a message 
and it's coming from different areas, you, you're going to pick something up new if you're open to it. It's just a matter of being open, and that comes with being humble. I like that a lot. Uh, David, you know, you, you have sort of this non-traditional um, life experience that's led you to where you are. A, a lot of folks in the entrepreneurial world, you know, they think it's always going to be this bar graph that is uh, always on a straight plane from left to right. <laughs> And, Could and, be farthest from the truth, right? Yeah, and you've had some curly cues there with some camouflage in between. And my question is, and, and you were alluding to it earlier, all of that becomes sort of the foundation. And, and as we were talking about when we opened the show, this return on experience and expertise, R-O-E-E, you know, what do you think uh, are some of the key defining foundational learnings that you now are able to maximize and get a good return on that experience and expertise from maybe playing rugby or or being in the U.S. Army as an officer or as an enlisted person and now running mm-hmm. your own business. Kind of kind of put it all together as if it's sort of Lego blocks of of to build on. And and how does it all fit together for you in your mind? Well, I think that it's still a constant growth path. And if you just think that you're there, then like I said, you're already on your way back. So I'm going to constantly maintain that mindset of personal growth. And that was a major piece that all of my mentors had pushed to me. And I just really tired to go back to think about when I was a private and everything was new. I mean, granted, I'm the son of a a ranger, Vietnam ranger. Um, He's a silver star recipient. I mean, my father is a a badass in his own right. but I still look at when I was a private and it's funny to see how the army has changed today in comparison when I came in 18 years ago. And, uh, you know, we've evolved vastly and, uh, I was just doing everything I could to listen to my guys that were in front of me so I could be able to be a better team player. And that's what it was all about. You know, team means everyone together, everyone achieves more. And that was reinforced in us massively in the army and, you know, being the team captain of the rugby, uh, it was the same concept because your weakest link is your weakest player. Everyone's on offense, everyone's on defense. And yeah, even though I was a team captain I was the only one who were allowed to talk to the referee, et cetera, it's kind of different in rugby than comparison to other sports, but, uh, you know, 15 is one because we have 15 players on the field. Every player has a job. And if we don't execute, then basically we need to figure out what we can do to shore that issue up. And that's why what I learned from rugby and same in combat, uh, combat, it's literally as an infantry officer, my job is to probe the enemy and find a weak point and then infiltrate and constantly infiltrate until they shore up that defense. And we do the same thing in rugby. So that has been foundational for me because I saw those correlations and basically being able to, you know, be open to new ideas and figure out what the best course of action for us to take. That has been huge for me. Um, Being able to take that mindset with my company was foundational from hearing a quote of Sir Richard Branson. 
and you've probably heard, I know you guys have heard this, you've interviewed near 200 people. Um, obviously, you've heard that the thought process that Sir Richard Branson says, he goes, train your people well enough so they'll be able to leave you, but treat them so well that they'll never want to. Mm-hmm. And I took that to heart and that's how I run my company. And, you know, one of my employees right now, Alex, she is working her tail off, but this is her first job. You know, she got here from IU. She's a marketing student uh, at IU, has her marketing degree, but she also fell in love with graphic design and we're utilizing her as a graphic designer. And it's pretty wild because I can come to her with an idea and just to get her perspective can change how we're going to go about doing it because I'm not the end all be all. It's like we're in this together. David, I, I really like what you're saying, and and let me kind of see if I've got it right, is it sounds like one of the keys to what you would say is your success is that you remain humble enough to let anybody be your teacher. They, they don't have to be uh, a guru, so to speak. It's you're open to whatever someone you're working with or in relationship or serving with has to offer for the better betterment of the organization. Is, do I have that right? That is spot on. Absolutely. So I, I know you've been learning a lot from your study of, of the Bible. You say you've been through it four times. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you in a business setting, what great business lessons has your faith taught you? Oh, wow. That's a deep question. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I tell you, I mean, one of the things that Jesus was talking about is, you know, if a Roman soldier comes to you and says to carry their uh, armor— because that's something that they could do. You could actually, if they told you, hey, you need to carry my army, you had to carry it for a mile. Jesus told them to, to carry it for two. You know, if they asked for the shirt on your back, give them their coat too. Um, and this, it just was a matter of going the extra mile and being able to show that level of, um, that level of integrity of saying, I'm going to go further because I am a proud nation. I am a proud person. Um, and we will give you more than what's asked because, you know, it sets a precedent. And I've taken that thought process with our company to run with a level of integrity whenever there was an issue. Uh, and I have to give credit to my brother. Um, he's my previous business partner. We uh, bought him out last year. But um, one of the things that I loved that he really put in with our team that we took to heart was anytime there's a mistake – it's just a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to prove our customer service. And that was the thought process that I had in regards to what Jesus was teaching in saying, give more of what's asked of you. So that's been a big piece of you know, my thought process in regards to my faith and how we need to be able to go about things because we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard because we're not answering to a client. We're answering to you know, our God. And it's like, I'm going to be the best that I can be because I'm a representative of you. Well, Dave, I really appreciate you sharing that. That that seems really super important to you. And it, it's a part of your sort of DNA as a CEO, um, which mm. makes your faith very, very real and tangible, which is exciting, I'm sure. Now let's let's kind of shift gears a little bit and help me understand how you got from uh, the uniform wear of maybe, you know, a BDU to <laughs> some of these exciting designs in sportswear with Legendborn. Oh, man. Well, so my father 
like like I mentioned earlier, he's a serial entrepreneur, but he's a major major piece in the history of USA rugby. Honestly, um, he started all the high school rugby in the Midwest uh, in the early. This is actually the thirtieth year anniversary of uh, high school and youth rugby in Indiana. Uh, my father started the whole thing, mm. and. I grew up around that. Uh, he played, he was on the founding team at Indiana University. And uh, he just fell in love with the sport. And he has started teams all over. Actually, it's pretty wild. When I was in Colorado Springs, um, living at the Olympic Training Center, I got to <laughs> my nickname there. They called me Flounder because I was a legacy. Uh, my father started the team when he came home from Vi- uh, Vietnam. So he, he started the Colorado Grizzlies there. Uh, and I actually brought them his jersey, and they've got it mounted up there. It's pretty mi- pretty amazing. But all that being said, he was ecstatic in regards to growing the game, and he started a athletic uh, apparel company called B Town Athletic when we were in Bloomington, and it supplied all the uh, jerseys for the IU rugby team, and then of course all of the. Uh, high school teams in the local area that I had actually started because I didn't have anywhere to play. Um, I moved to Bloomington when I was 15. There was no high school rugby. So I played for the IU team on their uh, B side. And uh, obviously that was very good for me because, you know, I mean, you didn't normally see anyone playing youth rugby in the United States back then. Mm -hmm. So I was a head and shoulders above everyone else uh, because I was just used to playing against one of the top teams in the country. So that really helped us out. But all that being said, um, he had his apparel business for a number of years, ended up going down because, um, you know, you can only sell so much rugby and darts in one area as a as a uh, retail store. <laughs> You're going to run out of people pretty quickly. Um, but I was uh, on tour in 2010 to England. I was I'm now an international rugby referee. And uh, this is the beginning of my international, um, well, honestly, career. Uh, I didn't know it then. I was just selected to be able to go on tour, and it was kind of supposed to be like the highlight of my refereeing prowess back then. Um, and, uh, I mean, some great stories about that that I that I won't get into because I don't have a lot to do with business. But the uh, first match that I actually went uh, went to was at rugby school, um, well, in rugby, England, um, and it was the Royal Royal Lions. Oh, I'm sorry, Royal Army versus uh, the Rugby Lions, and uh, I was running touch for that match. And um, the head referee went down within five minutes. He snapped his Achilles. It was pretty nasty. But I was the number two ranked referee, and I stepped in and did the match. And his referee coach was there, and his referee assessor was there, and they watched me instead. And that was the beginning of my rugby career as a referee internationally. And I've been all over the world refing now because of that beginning match. So later on in that week, uh, I met with a company named Akuma. And um, they're, they specialize in rugby gear. And they said, we've been trying to get in the United States and we don't know how to do it. And I said, I can totally help you with that. <laughs> I was like, I'd like to do something with my degree. That'd be amazing. <laughs> you know? So I wasn't asking for any money or anything of the sort. I just thought they were good guys and said, I can make this work. And, um, I got back to the States and I was in contact with so many high profile teams. I sent them 17 teams 
that they could be able to work with to be able to create their gear and do everything and really launch them in the U.S., but they they dropped the ball. They only ended up working with one team um, because IU was their sevens team was going to be on the uh, national championship uh, sevens national championships in uh, I want to say Philadelphia. <clears throat> so they made their jerseys, but everyone else, I kept getting phone calls saying that. You know, we're trying to get a hold of these guys and um, they're not answering emails or phone calls. So I finally said, well, I'm not going to work with them anymore. It's making me look bad. And um, a gentleman that worked at Akuma, uh, his name was David Birch. And uh, we just kind of kept in contact. He's a really good guy. He'd come to the States quite a bit. And he ended up leaving Akuma because the same issues, they didn't quite have their stuff together that they were a very young company and they were trying, kind of growing faster than they were really ready for. And that was their problem, which is understandable, you know? Um, so David went to a different company named Samurai and he was in sales for them. And he said, Hey, I know what happened with Akuma. You should work with Samurai. We'll actually pay you. And I'm like, Hey, that sounds good. Cause it was kind of easy. <laughs> Why not? I had to go ref in the Amsterdam sevens and Netherlands and the Samurai was the main sponsor. So I went out there and ended up spending 10 days in Norwich, England, uh, where they were based. And when they invited me to come there, I said, I'm going to knock this out of the park. I want them to know that, you know, I'm a Kelly school grad, you know, I need to send them a presentation and show them what's going on. So it was pretty funny. If you've ever been around a sports apparel company, no one wears suits <laughs> at all. Um, I showed up on day one dressed to the nines of course you know my background in multi-level marketing you know i know how to clean up yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i show up and they're like who is this bloody yank what is going on <laughs> uh so i spoke to terry sands the founder and ceo of the company and i said i'd like to be able to you know give a presentation of how i'm going to be able to expand your market in the united states and he was like right let's do it so we got their board together and I gave the presentation and I, it was about a half an hour long. And uh, one thing I learned from uh, one of my ROTC, uh, he was a professor of military science, Lieutenant Colonel Scudder. I'll never forget him. He's a little country boy from Missouri. Uh, <laughs> he, he was like, when you're briefing, you got to remember the three B's <laughs> be brilliant, be brief and be gone. <laughs> like, okay, sir. And then he'd spit out some, some dip. It was pretty hilarious. So at any rate, um, I got in there, knocked out this presentation, had, you know, pie graphs, all kinds of charts and all, you know, literally handed them a marketing plan to take over the United States in a box. Hmm. And I finished and you could hear a pin drop. And like the looks on these people's faces were just like their draws were just they were just, their jaws were on the floor. And at the end of the table was Mr. Sands, you know, the owner of the company and arms folded, leaned back, totally negative. And I was just like, Oh, this is not going to go well. And he basically said, who in the F do you think you are to tell me how to run my company, et cetera, et cetera. And he just went off and blew me out of the water and he got up and stormed out of the room. And I was like, I'm not going to work for that guy. <laughs> it's like, that's not happening and um then his board they were just like these ideas are genius we'll talk to him don't worry about him but my mind was already made up i was like no i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to help make that guy wealthy. So I ended up just spending <laughs> nine more days in Norwich and kind of hung out until I flew home. And um, months passed and I got a phone call from David Birch and he said, listen, man, your ideas were genius. He's like, I, we can, we can do something with this. He's like, I've got to keep it quiet because I don't want to lose my job because, but I've got access to all the manufacturing. I've got access to everything we need to do. I know what the pricing should be. I can be able to make this all come together. If you can just sell in the U S he's like, we can build our entire business right there and I can support the whole thing. And I was like, well, let me pray about it. And I called him back the next day and I was like, you know what? Third time's a charm. Let's do it. So we launched uh, DB2 Rugby and David Bryant, David Birch Squared, you get it. And um, we started going and things were moving really well. And then all of a sudden, um, unfortunately, David's wife had a miscarriage and that, they were just devastated. Um, at that time, my younger brother, John, wanted to get involved and uh, you know, I brought him on as a junior partner. And David said, hey, I'm going to take a step back and take care of my family, which was totally understandable. And a couple months were going and we were making sales. Things were going well. And then our manufacturing partner stopped answering the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, this is a problem. Then their emails started bouncing back. And I'm like, this is a serious problem. So I contacted David and told him to go check it out. And turns out that they'd gone bankrupt and didn't tell anyone. Um, so we had about $30,000 worth of sales that we needed to have made. And we were looking at having to start all over from scratch and we didn't know what we were going to do. Mm. So working with samurai was obviously not an option. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, David still lived in the same town with the guys that owned Akuma. So he said, listen, I didn't leave on the best terms with them. However, I still see them on a regular basis. You know, I go to the pub, there they are. Um, so he said, I can line this up, but once we do this, I'm totally out. He's like, would you like to, would you like me to try? So we didn't really have much of an option, but I uh, said, well, let's see if they'll make the, make our stuff for us. So we got on the conference call with them. They promised us the world. Uh, you saw what we'd been doing and apologized vehemently because of what had happened previously but, you know, they'd grown uh, in this time. They kind of had their stuff together quite a bit better. And uh, they wanted us to partner to be kind of um, a franchise of Akuma. So we would be Akuma North America. And that's how we got started there. Yeah. And um, that was in 2012. So this is a couple of years down the road, obviously. And um, it's funny because, you know, we, we really started to take things off. And obviously you see all the jerseys and things of that sort. This all started with rugby, but the best start about this entire thing, that was the aha moment, which came in 2012. And I was at drill one weekend. This is where <laughs> business and army ran together. They, they smashed into each other. I was at drill one weekend and I overheard one of my soldiers, uh, Sergeant Bacon. Yes, his name is Bacon he was talking to a couple of privates about this race that he was going to do. And he was saying how they're carrying logs and they're jumping over walls and over fire. And 
crawling under barbed wire and sliding down hills on their backsides and crawling through mud and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he was trying to get them to go to this race. And they were like, Sergeant, we've been through basic training. We do obstacle courses. Why would we do this? No, you're crazy. He's like, okay. So I overheard this thing. And I said, Sergeant Bacon, come into my office. And he's like, okay, sir. And he'd only met me like once. And uh, he comes in. I was like, hey, shut the door. And, you know, so he thinks he's in trouble. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> he's standing at attention there. And I'm like, at ease, you know, you're good. And I was like, I just got a question. I was like, what do you wear to these mud races? And he's like, shirt, shoes, and shorts, sir. <laughs> I'm like, well. Uh, okay, butthead. I get it. <laughs> I was like, but what do you wear? And he was like, normally like a Nike dry fit or Under Armour moisture wicking, whatever. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Well, how much do you spend on it? He's like, oh, about 90 bucks. I was like, okay. I was like, well, how does it hold up in these races? He's like, oh, it doesn't. Yeah, I got to throw it away after every race. <laughs> I was like, huh. I was like, it, it like shred. He's like, yeah, it either shreds or if it's not shredded then the mud stains will never come out. It just doesn't look good. He's like, but it is what it is. I was like, well, how many of these races have you done? He's like, well, I've done 10 this year and I'm doing five more. And that's when it punched me straight between the eyes. I was like, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, this isn't just some little hobby. This is, this is like a big deal. And so I was like, you've thrown away a thousand dollars worth of clothes and you're okay with it. And he's like, yeah. So I said, look, what if I told you I could put you in a totally custom jersey and it'll last longer than you will? He was like, BS, sir, it doesn't exist. I was like, well, try me. So I said, do you have like a group of friends or a team? Or he was like, he's like, no, no, mud racing is all individual. I was like, okay, well, do you like see the same group of people from time to time when you go to these races? He's like, well, yeah, actually I do. I guess we kind of have a club. I was like, okay. Well, how many are there? And he's like, oh, there's 12 of us. I was like, all right, good, because I need at least 10 to be able to get them to make it, to bring it overseas, because everything was being done in England at that time. And uh, they were named the Corn-Fed Spartans, uh, which you've seen, JC, of course, yep, at yep. <laughs> Viking Dash. Yep. Um, so the funny thing is, they had 12 people, and I showed them samples, and and they're like, well, how much are these? And I was like, you know, these are 75 to $80 a piece. And they're like, ah, it's too expensive. And no way people won't buy them. I was like, I know what you guys are spending and throwing away every week. I was like, so I tell you what, I want proof of principle. Buy the 10, beat the living crap out of them. And I want to know how they do. And if you're not happy, I'll buy them all back from you. And they're like, okay. So we, we created their design, which JC, you've seen because mm-hmm. it's the same today as it was back then. <laughs> Good design. Yep. Yeah. Got the big corn cob in his mouth. It's hilarious. Yep. Um, but they went from 12 people, only 10 people bought the jerseys. The other two didn't in the, in the beginning. And it was funny because they went from 12 people to over 3000 people inside mm-hmm. of a year. Yeah. And all we did was give them an identity. And that was the beginning of jerseys in obstacle course racing. We changed the face of the entire sport. Uh, it's pretty wild because um, Joe DeSena, you know, I was talking to him back then about this team concept. And he's like, ah, it's an individual sport. It'll never work. It'll always be an individual, yada, yada, yada. And he just kind of poo-pooed me. And then, of course, three three months later, he uh, signed a deal with Reebok. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, well played, dude. I get, I see what you're doing. So but, David, um, David, let me interrupt you real quick, because what I'm hearing is a common thread here, and that is you were using your experiences, whether it was a referee, 
that led mm-hmm. you to a relationship, which led you to a business relationship, which led you to one day standing with uh, in earshot of a conversation. And because you were open to learning from anybody, you know, you learned of this opportunity and then took advantage of that. Once again, getting a maximum return on your experience. And, and that's really the story of your whole company, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Literally, it's just being open to your environment and and uh, honestly, just being receptive. That's literally it. I'm not God's gift to business. You know, I, that's why I lean on my team. That's why I look to, I mean, I have, I've picked up ideas from my 10-year-old son. I'm like, dude, that's genius. I'm going to try that. He's like, okay, dad, you know, I'm going to own the company someday. I'm like, yeah, we'll see, bud. Go do your homework. <laughs> 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 but uh, no, you're exactly right. It's literally just being open and just allowing things to come along and being receptive to them. Hmm. So again, here we are, 2020. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've given yourself in the, in the upcoming year? Oh man, I am not a uh, generally one of. The, I mean, my birthday's on New Year's Day, hmm. right? So I just turned 41. And I'm not one of those. I, I love the memes, of course, of people going to the gym and whatnot. They have no clue what they're doing because <laughs> they don't go to the gym. And apparently on the 15th, that all stops again, I guess, according to your earlier conversation. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> so I'm not one of those that makes resolutions. However, this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to do everything that I can to be able to let go of poisonous people and we all have them and in a lot of cases we tolerate them but they tend to linger and it can take you off the focus of what you're supposed to be doing and i had allowed that to happen over the last couple of years and that man working through turmoil has taught me a severe lesson and it's funny because when i look back at all the books that i've read and all the things that i've been able to learn from others and my mentors etc the common theme was perseverance is key. And, you know, so many times, even my own family, I mean, guys, I'm going to be real with you. I, I've been divorced now um, from my son's mother, which was horrible. Uh, she didn't support my dream. She didn't, she never thought that it would be anything. So it's pretty hilarious when she comes to my office to pick up my son and finds out that, you know, we were the title sponsors for the world championship and, and things of that sort. We're shipping to 78 countries, et cetera. And she's kind of like, oh, I guess you're right. You know, <laughs> but at the end of the day, success leaves signs and we're nowhere remotely close to where we're going. Uh, we've got some big things that we're working towards. Um, I had already alluded to Spartan Race earlier. Uh, we've signed a contract with them and we're um, finalizing the deliverables for that. That's going to be epic. And, uh, you know, with our, um, business partner that we just lined things up with, I can't really put that out there yet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, in my wildest dreams, I didn't think that we'd be able to do that. And I had to flush some, uh, some negative people, even though some of them were very painful to be able to say goodbye to. Um, I had to just kind of saying, I'm going to stop giving that energy. I'm going to focus on what is in front of me and I really need to be able to move forward. So that was my resolution essentially. And, uh, for this year, our goals, I mean, (laughs) our goal that I'm going to 
basically put this out there is we are looking at doing 300, I'm sorry, 3 million in sales. Um, that's our big goal. That's a stretch. Uh, but you know, I mean, if you shoot for the, if you shoot for the stars, you might land on the moon. And uh, that's what we're working towards. And with some of the things that we're doing, uh, it very easily could happen, but you got to execute first. Right. Love it. Well, we're to the rapid fire questions now, David. So <laughs> we're, we're going we're gonna to rapid fire you with uh, some great questions and hopefully spark some pithy answers back from you. Uh, <laughs> Let's so, say, you know what I do for a living, right? Right. So we'll, <laughs> we'll challenge you here. Okay. All right. So question number one. Yeah. Go ahead. What's, uh, what are three of your top favorite books that you might give or tell others about? Hands down, the first book uh, is No Question, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, book I'm carrying with me, I've read a number of times, is Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And the third, man, I've read so many books. I mean, obviously, you can go down the road with you know, Habits of Highly Effective People, etc. Stephen Covey is amazing. Um, so I would probably stick with those three. Those are good three. Good company. If you could ask anyone living or dead a question, who and what would it be? No question, it'd be Jesus Christ. And I'd say, why didn't, it's kind of not to be a throwback to the uh, Jesus Christ Superstar musical, but dude, you could reach everyone today. Why didn't you come today? (laughs) (laughs) You know how easy it'd be to get your message out? Come on, man, let's go. But uh yeah, that's probably, I mean, it would hand, it'd probably not be that question, honestly, but um, it would definitely be him. Cool. Uh, name one thing that costs under a hundred bucks that has changed your life. I'll tell you what, it was the first time that I got to go see the Colts play. And mm. I was, I think I was eight years old. I was mm. with my father and that was an absolute blast. And that was my first real professional um environment that I'd seen that I just fell in love. I was like, you can actually get paid. You can do this for a living. I was like, awesome. I'm in, I'm going to find something. So one more time for the ROEE. And that is share three truths that you've learned over time and that you want others to know. Well, first and foremost, I mean, the biggest thing to echo what I'd said before is if you don't, if you don't stay humble and if you don't look to help others and serve others, and you're already on your way back. Uh, you, you can't, you can't be successful without, um, getting help or getting, you know, basically getting advice. So it could be a minimal thing. Um, I mean, I didn't receive any money to start my company or anything of the sort. Um, but the advice and the thought processes of others, that was the help that I got. So first and foremost, be open to others ideas. The second thing is, yeah, you can definitely rely on your past, but don't let it define you. Mm. I've been blessed to have so many amazing opportunities and, and experiences, and I need to be better about taking pictures and stuff because I have like little to no, <laughs> no <laughs> proof that I actually did it, you know. Uh, but the fact of the matter is I do have a wealth of experience, but I don't have to let that define me. I can, that's the beautiful thing about being a human being is you can reinvent yourself constantly. 
And it's just a matter of a mindset of being able to do so. Third biggest lesson is you just never quit. You can never quit. It doesn't matter how many people are against you, how many people say that you're not going to make it, making fun of your ideas, making your fun of your goals, making fun of your dreams. I call those people dream stealers mm. because the fact of the matter is, like Jesus said, walk a mile in another man's shoes to be able to understand them. You never underst- You never really know what another person is thinking because they're making the decisions that they can with the information that they have in front of them at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, I mean, even my own family told me, they're like, you need to give up. You need to quit. Why are you doing this? You know, your brother's getting out. It was a smart time. And then I just kind of laughed. I was like, you have no idea what I'm working on. You don't know what I'm doing. You have no, you don't understand my dream. How are you going to tell me how it's going to go? So the people that win persevere, they never quit. No matter how many times you've, I mean, Les Brown, I love listening to him because I'd love to meet him, (laughs) but Les Brown has said, if, if you can, if you get knocked down and you can look up, you can get up and you just got to keep getting back up. And he is absolutely right. Cause I've been knocked down time and time and time again. And there are times when I was like, I have no idea how we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to be able to make payroll. I don't know how we're going to be able to pay for this, you know, all the products that we need to make. I don't know how we're going to pay for shipping. What's going to happen here. And somehow some way it's always come together just i mean i think honestly it's the grace of god and i'll say one more thing for you david the the thing that i'm hearing in your story that i think is sort of your secret weapon or your secret to your success is you're not going to let your pride keep you from learning the lesson that someone valuable you're in relationship has to teach you and and that is an amazing trait for a ceo to not let their pride get in the way of learning something important from somebody who may on the surface not seem important to them. And you don't make that mistake. And that's going to make you very, very successful at Legendborn. Thank you so much. I mean, that's a a huge compliment. And I'm just doing everything that I can to be able to ensure that I'm constantly growing and moving forward so I can be able to be an inspiration to others and be able to bless others. Hmm. Final question. How can someone be a difference maker in their community? The biggest thing is to be able to be open, to be able to reach out for someone else. I mean, one of the things that I've come to learn is listening to that still small voice. I mean, it could be anything. I Like case in point, uh, just recently, I, I never carry cash, like ever. And I was just driving along and I saw someone on the side of the road and I stopped and just gave him the cash that I had. And it's not that... I was looking for any accolades or anything of the sort. It was just, that was my gut was like, Hey, you need to give this to him. And you have absolutely no reason to know why. And I was just like, you know, I hope it just does something. So that's listening to that still small voice. You know, some people are like, Oh, it's your subconscious. I honestly believe it's the Holy spirit Hmm. and being able to be open to that. It's just, it's a, it's a test. It's a test. And uh, listening to it and showing that you are faithful and you are being obedient, that's the best way that you could be able to help anyone and everyone else. Uh, At the end of the day, we're all in this thing together. Uh, A lot of people are so disjointed and and like, oh, your skin pigment is darker than mine. Oh, what? You still have 10 fingers and 10 toes. (laughs) We're human beings. (laughs) We're the human race. 
<laughs> you know, so I think that we can absolutely be able to bless others just by being helpful and being open to them, whatever their needs may be. And, uh, you know, that's, that's my philosophy. Mm. That's a winning attitude. Yes, it is. Certainly. <laughs> Dave, you can be found at legendborn with an E.com. Uh, where can people find you and the company on social media? Yeah. At legendborn, uh, for Instagram and Facebook, um, me personally, uh, David E. Bryant. So it's very easy to find me. All right. Well, awesome. Again, pleasure having you on and, uh, looking for really exciting things from you in the future. Appreciate it. Most, most definitely gentlemen. Thank you so much. All right. So there you have it. You know, if you're involved with a sports team of some sort and want to look great and, and, and durable sportswear, you should really check out what Dave and his team have to offer over at Legendborn. Uh, their designs are simply amazing and they have so many different uh, choices of apparel to put your designs on. It's, it's just insane. If you, in fact, want to learn more about the company, I was able to round up a few videos for the show note extras that will give you a better perspective of what's what's available. Uh, there's two short videos sharing why Legendborn is unique. And then I follow that up with a video of some of the gear out actually being worn in the field. And then another comparing Legendborn to Akuma. So you can check out those and other notes at newinceptions.com slash 168. So that's it for this session. Remember, if you want to do yourself a favor and have an expensive solution to keep your financials in order, check out FreshBooks and save today at newinceptions.com slash FreshBooks. That's it for session 168. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us. And as always, we appreciate you guys joining in. Until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care of whenever you're creating. And I'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter at newinceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.